we've gone through a few different, let's call it go to market motions, PLG motions, you know, who can come in and use the product for free. And one of the things that we tried really, really, really early on in the company was having a, a free tool of Linear B, let's say that was for engineering managers. And they would come in and they get their metrics. And we actually were able to get, you know, thousands of teams using that free tool. But as we learned, there's kind of a cap to that go-to-market motion. And what we learned is that actually what we need to do is provide this free tool for developers. I'm Dan Lines, and I'm the co-founder and COO at Linear B. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today how Dan Lines is giving you a way to streamline your operations and align your team and your resources. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Dan Lines is married with a three-year-old daughter and a baby on the way. He has lived all over the U.S., seven years in Boston, five years in L.A., and he now lives in upstate New York. He's always been into the creation of things, being the kid in high school burning and selling CDs, building computers on the side, or creating an early sports streaming platform before streaming was a thing. Before Dan founded his current company with his co-founder, Ori, he was an engineering leader with 100 engineers reporting to him. He cataloged all of the pains he felt as a VP of engineering. Post-acquisition of that company, he decided to build a system to solve those pains. This is the creation story of Linear B. So Linear B is a software delivery management system. It's used by engineering teams, usually brought in by a VP of engineering. And it's doing three things. And this was an evolution over time that I, I think we'll touch on in the pod here. But the first thing it does is allow engineering leaders to create a metrics program for their software organization that usually focuses on workflow efficiency. So effectively, how easy and streamlined is it for us to go from coding to release? 
Now we've expanded over the last few years as we've become more successful. We now have project and resource allocation and project delivery estimations, as well as automation tools focused on the pull request or merge requests, making that more efficient, more streamlined, and controlling some CI processes. So that's the, the type of stuff that Linear B does. I think I got started even before I founded the company. Before I founded Linear B, when my co-founder Ori, or Ori's amazing, or Ori's the CEO of the company, I was an engineering leader, and so was Ori at a startup company. I was the second engineer hired. I grew to have about a hundred engineers reporting to me as a VP of engineering, and I was all the roles that you would expect in between. A front-end developer, a full-stack developer, a team leader, a manager, a director, and it actually got started in that journey. And all of the pains that I felt of being a VP of engineering of a semi-large organization, we were acquired by Cisco Systems, so that's where that journey ended. And a few years after that, I founded Linear B. So that's that's those pains is are really where I got started. Let's dive into Linear B then, and and tell me about the MVP. So that first version of the product you built, how long did it take to build, and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? MVP, what an amazing word! You know, it's like, what does that mean? The thing, the thing that's interesting about that, when I think about an MVP, is we actually go through many stages of an MVP, and I think you want to hone in on kind of the first one. So I'll break it down into two stages. So stage one, it was just Ori and myself. I don't even think we had. Maybe we had a contract, like a developer contractor, with us. At this time, we didn't have any financial backing to the company. We were bootstrapping ourselves, and Ori was kind of the hands-on developer genius, working on collecting engineering metrics from engineering organizations. We would hook up to GitHub. Or GitLab or Bitbucket, whatever it was, and he wrote scripts. You know, pull the APIs and get interesting information like cycle time, release frequency, cycloclimatic complexity of the code, PR size, that type of stuff. And this was just all on the back end. And he would send me the information, and I would take that information and put it into a slide deck. For our first few, I don't even know if you would call them customers, but we had about ten to fifteen, let's say, design partners, and I would present back to them in slides. This is the information about your engineering organization, and that stage one really gave us the validation because the feedback was amazing from those customers. Wow, I, I never had this information before. Could you give me this other metric? Could you deliver me this report? You know, in another two weeks, that really gave us. A lot of, I would say, confidence to then move to stage two, which was a full-fledged SaaS platform as you would know it today. Log into a website, see this data update, you know, in real time. That took us about six months, and we started to sell after that. Let's stay on the MVP for a minute. I want to talk through some decisions and trade-offs you had to make, and maybe both of those phases, or or the first phase, really wherever you want to take it. And I'm curious about you know some of the decisions and trade-offs you had to make in building that. And that can be like feature cut, technical debt, acceptance, you know, limiting the process to very manual in the beginning. You dive into those decisions for me, and how you coped with those decisions. 
what any founder goes through. And again, it's not just in like your original MVP, but I think anywhere along like the process of a successful company, you have finite resources, right? You cannot do everything. So it's it's always that challenge in the short term to say, at least for us, do we want to do something new or should we kind of stick with what we, you know, first came out with it with the MVP? We came out with just those slides, that deck with a bunch of metrics on them. I was reaching out to other engineering leaders on LinkedIn saying, hey, we, we have this, would love to show you it for your organization. They were saying yes. You're at this decision point where you say, is the feedback that I'm getting telling me, hey, you're on the right track and just continue to invest in that area? Or are you getting feedback that's telling you, you need to make like another, I would say, brave step and go in a different direction. For us, we got a lot of great feedback. Hey, you're on the right track. Stay in this area. Build this into something that's like real time for me, SaaS solution. And so we went full out into this world of engineering metrics. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. So you've got your MVP. It's working. You're gaining some traction. You've proven the idea. You're ready to roll. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think what I'm curious about there is how you went about building your roadmap and deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Linear B. The most important thing you can do is listen to your customers. And if you're in a situation that you don't have customers or you're not getting feedback, ask yourself why. 
Is it because no one's interested? Is it because I'm not reaching out enough? Or is it because I'm doing something, you know, so innovative that I can't even talk to someone about it? And I think there's like very few companies that can succeed like that. I can tell you the, the way that we think about our roadmap at Linear B, and it's probably like a two-thirds, one-third thing. Two-thirds of our roadmap is to enhance the great feature set that we have today and make sure that we're nailing the experience with our customers. We're showing betas. We're showing designs. We are doing interactive usability sessions. We're taking what's going really, really well for us and enhancing that. That's probably two-thirds of the roadmap. One-third of the roadmap is that other side that I talked to you about, which is around innovation. You know, we're probably spending one-third, you know, about 33% in a new idea that we have a really good a feeling about. We have a few prospects that want to try it, and we bring them in on as design partners. So, yeah, probably like two-thirds enhancement, one-third innovation. Okay, how did you go about building your team? And, and I'm curious about what you'd look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you. This is an art, first and foremost. And I, I think about it a lot. There's no scientific formula. I mean, we're talking about people here, right? There's no formula that I can give. So I think about it as an art. But there are a few characteristics that, that we've looked for that work. So first and foremost, they got to have the right character. Because the truth is, there's going to be a lot of successes. There's going to be a lot of failures. There's going to be tough times in the business. There's going to be great times in, in the business. And when things are getting tough, which they will, character really comes out. Now, some of the things of, about the character is how resilient is the person? Are they willing and do they have the ability to adapt to change? Those are a few things that we test for in the interview process. And the other way that we look at it is myself and Ori could say we're more, I guess, technical or product founders, right? That's where we grew our careers prior to Linear B. If we, we did have a weakness or an area of inexpertise, it would be on the go-to-market side. So what we did was we brought in a bunch of people that we trust from our past, people that we worked with, like our VP of engineering, we worked with that person, our CTO, we worked with that person, our head of people in HR, we worked with that person. So we brought in a few people that we trust. And then on the go-to-market side, so we're thinking sales and marketing, we had to bring in some people that we didn't know. In those areas, we looked for innovation. Are you able to innovate in your own area? Are you able to innovate in sales? Are you able to innovate in marketing? And we found kind of that combination was a good, good supplement to the founding strength of the company. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, CastAI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. 
Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash CodeStory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. So let's flip to scalability. And this is always interesting to me because honestly, the answers I get are all over the map. But did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? Maybe this is phase two. Or have you been fighting this as you grow and gain traction in any sort of capacity? I think one part of scalability is since we were just talking about people like scalability growth on the people side, and one has to do with product and solution. On the people side, how many people you're hiring, what your growth path is and your run rate and all of that. We took an approach that we were aggressive but responsible. We definitely always tried to push, you know, the limit of, okay, how many people do we need versus the pipeline coming in versus what we want to generate versus our goals. But we didn't get into a situation where we overgrew. And you'll see a lot of companies right now, because the economy is tough, having to scale back, having to lay people off, do things like that. We haven't had to do that in any way, shape or form. And I think it's because of that kind of like responsible nature to our growth with people. And on the product side, the way that we think about it, definitely early on, I don't think it's a good idea to say, I'm going to create a product that's endlessly scalable because the type of customer that is coming in, at least for us, changes at each stage of the company. Early on, our customer base was engineering organizations that maybe had 20 to 50 engineers. And to create a great product experience for if you have 20 to 50 engineers is way different than what we're seeing now. Now we have some of the largest organizations in the world that are using Linear B. They have thousands and thousands of engineers. So we never took the philosophy of from day one, let's make this endlessly scalable because that would be, I think, mismatching the persona in the type of company that was using Linear B. We always took a very progressive approach as our customer base started getting larger and larger. So... As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? Honestly, the thing that I'm most proud of is the team of people and the culture that we created at Linear B. That's where I get my energy from. It's who I'm working with and us all coming together on a mission. There's two things that are at the core, I think, of Linear B culture that I'm really proud of. One is we do have a lot of transparency within our company. From founding level down, we talk about our run rate. How is the funding looking? We're making sure we're at least doing bi-weekly meetings where myself or Ori are communicating with the entire company. 
The second one is we have this other side of the culture around like nothing is beneath you. Meaning just because you're a founder doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z. Or just because you're a VP doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z. For me, yeah, I'll get on some of the biggest, you know, sales calls that we have, for example. But if we have someone that's uh, pouring this on a Friday, for example, on Monday, I have a call with, you know, one of our junior sales associates for a small deal. I'm on that call. I'm there. I'm helping you, helping make sure that they can do their job well. So, yeah, team and culture is what I'm most proud of. And then I would say the second thing is just our customer base. We have an amazing group of customers and, you know, they have real pain when they come to Linear B, not having this data, not having these metrics. And it's just great to see them have that pain solved. So people and customers. Well, well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I'll try to choose one that's like pretty impactful and and how our, our, our team handle it. And it relates back to the question that you were asking about like the type of people that, that you're hiring. We've gone through a few different, let's call it go to market motions, PLG motions, you know, who can come in and use the product for free. And one of the things that we tried really, really, really early on in the company was having a, a free tool of Linear B, let's say that was for engineering managers. And they would come in and they get their metrics. And we actually were able to get, you know, thousands of teams using that free tool. But as we learned, there's kind of a cap to that go-to-market motion. And what we learned is that actually what we need to do is provide this free tool for developers, which is a different persona, right? There's millions and millions, I think, I don't know, 32 to 50 million developers out there. You know, there's not not as many managers. So what we did was actually change our bottom-up motion to say, okay, let's not only serve the manager, but let's provide something for developers. Now, if you have a lot of people in your company and you're in a growth situation, that's actually a fair, it might sound small in this conversation, but it's actually a really big change, changing personas. Who's going to be the first person to touch your product? And we actually shifted over to developers. And what I learned from that is there's a lot of change that's involved. And so who you hire, the conversation that we just had really, really matters. We were able to bring in people that are resilient to change. And like I said before, testing kind of in that interview process, what are you able to innovate in your own area? So yeah, of course, it's a shock with the change. But then what we saw is, okay, sales is now innovating. BDRs are reaching out to the developers. They're coming up with their own talk track now. Product is able to adapt. Marketing is able to adapt. Although that change was tough, the type of people that we had in the company, because it's all of them that actually makes this stuff happen, not just me, me and Ori, matters a lot. What does the future look like for Linear B, the product, and for your team? The future looks bright. And I, I'm actually ta- taking that quote. We do something at Linear B. We do a bi-weekly product session with the entire company. So everyone in the company come in, we do product demos, we show the latest and greatest. Sometimes we show like our innovative ideas. And the last one that we had two weeks ago was probably one of my most proud moment because people were just blowing up with excitement in the chat saying, wow, I like love everything that you're innovating on. I'm so excited for this. And that's how I know that we're working on something really great. And there's 
two areas to that that Linear B continues to in- innovate on that's getting everyone excited. One of them is in that developer pipeline or the developer workflow. And a lot of companies right now, especially tech companies, are focused on DevX. They'll talk about developer experience and how important that is. And we have a tool right now that's actually helping with that developer experience to make sure all PRs are getting merged in the fastest way possible. And we're starting to see some cost savings with that tool now that it can extend into continuous integration and what tests are run there. So that's probably one area that's really, really bright for us. And the other other thing that's bright that I was telling you earlier in the conversation, now that we're working with these Fortune 500 companies, some of the largest companies in the world, the work that we're doing to scale up to support that level of company is really exciting because they have engineering teams all over the world and thousands of developers and different business units and the requirements of what they need to report to their board around their resource allocation is you know kind of above and beyond anything that we saw earlier in the company. And if you combine these two things together of this pipeline work that's creating a great developer experience and then the work that we're doing for these really large organizations with resource allocation, that's the stuff that gets me and our team excited. Let's switch to you, Dan. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I learned something. Actually, this, this has evolved for me. When I was a little bit younger, let's say when I was in my teens and when I was in my 20s, you know, for for example, like I really love Steve Wozniak. That's the type of person that I would say early on. But what I I learned in in an area that I evolved is don't look up to people that you don't know because you don't really know the real story behind that person, that what you hear from, you know, the media or something that you read is always like a curated version. So there's two people that I, that I look up to now. One is my co-founding and CEO partner, Ori. Ori has this amazing attribute about him that he can break down a large vision into lean solutions. Because as you know, when you're in this world of startup, it's always like, what can we deliver this quarter? What we can we deliver this month? So he can take like a really, really large vision and say, hey, this is like a creative way so we can get something out in two weeks. I love that. The other one that I would say is my wife, Lauren. She has this ability where she tries all of these different adventures. So she has done stuff within tech support all the way to Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And actually, this is similar to Waz. And what she's able to do is take all these different experiences that you think are disparate and actually put them together into a product or innovative solution that takes all of those attributes that she learned and come up with something new. So those are the two, Ori and my wife, Lauren. So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? And not to be, you know, a mistake. It could have been something that worked, but maybe you tweak it a little bit. To be honest with you, sometimes I, f- I find myself thinking about that situation. Oh, if I could go back in time, like what would I do different? And, you know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And honestly, when I'm in that situation, I actually try to snap myself out of it. There is no going back. That's right. That's the truth, right? 
So I usually try to actually flip that and say, okay, all I can do now is iterate on going forward. And I don't know, it might so- sound a little lame. I wouldn't change anything. Like if, if you go back and change something that you think would make you more successful, you might take out a failure that actually changed the company for the better. And that one small thing that you changed to make it a success, it might have actually led you to a situation where the company actually didn't go in the right direction. So I, I like to think more about iterating on the future than like changing the past. Okay, Dan, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? You know, you might have something that's taking off and it's really exciting. I would just say like stay humble and stay level-headed. There's going to be times that you think things are going amazing. There's going to be times that you you think things aren't going so well. And what I learned is it's like a very it's a long journey. So like my advice would be when things are going great, you're actually not doing as well as you think you are. Keep going. And when things are going bad, you feel like things are going bad, they're actually not as bad as they seem. So stay humble and stay level-headed. Couldn't agree more. That's fantastic advice. Well, Dan, thank you for being on the show today, and thank you for telling the creation story of Linear B. Cool, Noah. Thanks for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.